You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Everybody, this is Dominic D'Angelo of Premier Streaming Network of several outlets, all that malarkey. But it is episode 14 today of One of a Kind, and I am here with none other than Mr. Monday Night, Mr. Wednesday Night sometime, just this couple weeks ago, and Mr. Thursday Night, Mr. Pay-Per-View, Mr. Money in the Bank. We could go on and on. It is Rob Van Dam. Rob, welcome back to your show, man. Thanks, dude. Glad to be here. Thanks, man. It's been Happy. a pretty... How's your week been after uh, it's the, the dust has settled with AEW and... You know, all the reaction you've got, good, bad, whatever it may be. Uh, how's it How's it all feeling for you this week? Um, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's been pretty awesome, you know, um, on the, on the business end. I'm busy as always. And of course now a lot more people are interested, uh, because now I'm, uh, now I'm hot and uh, they and people see I can go. I'm getting a lot of uh, wrestling um, offers, which I don't think I've responded uh, to most of them yet, and uh, some I will maybe. But but yeah. Um, but uh, personally, we've been uh, um, been uh, doing been on a little bit of a uh, of a party run. You know, Katie's Katie's got this uh, new friend and. Uh, and it makes us uh, more social. So instead of just being homebodies, you know, <laughs> we're seeing a little bit of the town, seeing a little bit of Vegas, and um, having fun. Are you going to any new spots in Vegas like that you haven't been familiarized with or anything? Yeah, like that? there's so many I haven't been to. Dude, Vegas is like so fun. Oh my god, look at that bicep! No, Vegas <laughs> <laughs> is uh, it's so big. Like ever since uh, even before I moved here, you know, I always think like. Wow, someday, and I always think like if I was retired, I would go out somewhere different to eat like every single night, which I could do anyway, but I don't want to leave home and when it comes to, <laughs> to real life. But <laughs> even even just a few blocks around, you know, there's so many places I drive by all the time and have never had a chance to go. But that's my optimistic thinking is I always think, yeah, someday I'm going to pop in there and have a beer or going to have dinner there someday or whatever. And so... So, um, yeah, there's, I, I feel like I've probably seen, I don't know, maybe 1% of Las Vegas. Yeah. Wow. See, I thought you were like all about, all over the place. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, it's cool. I like to be seen. It's cool. You know, when I go out and on uh, a lot of the, um, events or reasons to go out are connected to casinos you know we don't gamble but we walk through a lot of casinos in the big hotels on the strip because you have to and 
and it's cool, you know, also they're cool. I like them, but, uh, <clears throat> but it's, it's cool when people spot me and they're all excited and they, dude, you made my whole vacation or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> I feel, um, a little obligation to, to, to put myself out there like that. And it's really cool to be able to have that energy on people. And, and just because it's Las Vegas, it reminds me of a lot of the things I read when people say, you know, that, oh, yeah, man, you could, like, you know, Frank Sinatra could be sitting, like, right at the bar next to you and this and Little Caesars, or you wouldn't, not Little Caesars, or Caesars, whatever the really, yeah, anywhere. Yeah, he was in several, but anyway, um, I, I, I like that, you know, as far as being part of uh, part of the culture, dude. You're going to be like Wayne Newton, like, uh, just the... <laughs> <laughs> I thought him so long ago. Dory Funk Jr. And, uh, and his wife, Marty, introduced me to Wayne Newton. There's yeah. pictures out there somewhere of us at uh, Silver Springs in Ocala. He was he was so cool, so nice. And, uh, wow, man, what a career he's had. Just a Vegas staple right there, man. Being himself, man, singing yeah. the same lyrics for 110 years, you know? Donkey still, still smiling. What right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, we do have some feedback here. So, um, it's so crazy when you hear that song, it sounds like a girl singing. That's the kind of like what he got. But, like, fucking Wayne Newton, man. It's Wayne Newton. Um, all right, here we'll start with this one. IK Broski says, Beyond happy to have been there for that amazing match. That chair bouncing on the rope was wild. Yeah, no shit, man. That, that, that was, and. I've never seen that happen before. That was so crazy. It was just I had to take a double, a double take. Dude, what is holding that? You know, how can I capitalize on it? Sugar bounce off the other ropes and jump up and try and sit on it. And <laughs> that would have been something. <laughs> I would have tumbled right over the rope on my neck. But what a spot that would have that would have been like a sabu spot, you're botching it unintentionally. <laughs> right, exactly. That was crazy though. And yeah. Uh, yeah, oh man. One of a kind moment. No doubt about it. Speaking of which, quality match that served its purpose. Keep getting paid, Rob. So, <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, man, I like the match. Yep, yep, I did too, man. Did you hear Cornette's feedback on it? I know you listen. We talked about the clip before last week. No, I, I haven't. I saw okay. the I saw the animated uh, thumbnail and yeah. and I just but yeah. I I, let me say it's not worth it because it's just like. <laughs> He says stuff, and it's just like, anytime I listen to Cornette, he, I like, I, I very much align with his opinion a lot of times on certain things. But yeah, me too. He's very negative, and I almost hate what I do when I listen to it. I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, so it's just, yeah. like, I yeah. know, it's not worth it, man. It's not worth it. Yeah. No, I get you. Yeah. Um, but he's negative, I think, overall, because he's unhappy about this current status of the business and so so he's speaking from that perspective of disapproval you yeah. know what I mean? mm -hmm. and, and yeah i agree with uh, a lot of what he says too but i didn't i didn't tune in to hear him say uh, oh rvd's stiffer than a possum's pecker in penfield i'm prom night rob i was trying to relay it to like uh, my brother and uh, some of my buddies like you saying all this stuff? I was like, <laughs> coming up with it off the cuff. And I was like, I, I couldn't do it justice. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> That's his old stick, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it is his old stick. Now, somebody does go to bat for him. Uh, Triple Mania, RVD, Cornette, put your looks over big. He said My looks? Exactly the same. Oh. Yeah. 
I thought he meant I was a handsome man because I have oh, heard. Oh, maybe. That. Well, you're dashing, dashing with Rob Van Dam right there as a compliment. Probably yeah, just doesn't know your entrance when he said you were stiff. He also is not familiar with your move set. He's definitely not familiar with your new set. I'll say that, particularly the chair stuff. You should listen to what he said again. I so he is definitely not familiar with the Rolling Thunder because he was like, Jim I Cornette? don't understand that spot. Yeah, he had uh, no idea about the Rolling Thunder or nothing like that. Uh, oh, he didn't understand it. He didn't yeah, understand it probably because uh, I lost some momentum. Like usually, I, I, I'll get the momentum into the jump, and the and the roll actually helps me like jump higher and stuff. And uh, this one wasn't the best one, you know, which a lot of people will take is is meaning everything. He doesn't do it like he used to, whatever. But but every once in a while that happens. I mean, I remember for a while there, I got in uh, in uh, I guess it was I think it was the 2010 run with Impact. Mm -hmm. um, but I started like really playing with the with the rolling thunder and i would like the, the tighter i tuck you know the in the in the quicker i can get my feet under me i could get that momentum to be like boom you know and, and really like launch me up there so i started in the air i started like doing the thumbs and then tucking <laughs> and, and it was really hard to get that in it was so quick you know i'm not sure if everyone caught it but um while I was working on that, I kept like landing on my head. <laughs> so, so eventually I said, yeah, let me, uh, maybe I'll come back to that later. Let me get my rolling thunder back because I kept going, whoosh, boom. And some of the times I land like straight down on the dude. So many, there's so many TV matches. I did that whoosh, and right straight down, I'll drive myself on, on them. And sometimes the boys afterwards say, dude, are you all right after that roll of thunder? It looked like you killed yourself. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Ooh, bit of an adjustment. Well, by the way, um, so you know, like I, I, in an ideal world, Jack would have been an extra foot or so towards the ropes. I would have had the confidence, you know, to do the roll into the dive. But um, because he was a little too close to me, I, I guess a little there's a, like a little mental. Eh, I don't know what I call it blockage, but there's something that pops up because sometimes. Uh, they'll be in the middle, and, and my, my feet will hit them. It'll completely stop my momentum. The worst time, well, I don't know, live action is pretty bad. But when I did that show, City Guys, in, uh, I don't know, 96 or whenever, it was so long ago, wow. uh, NBC TV show, kids show, City Guys. And wow. uh, we had, uh, we there was I, was, I played RVD, and we were wrestling. And I told dude, you know, I, whatever it was, dude was right in the middle. And and I thought at that time I hadn't fucked it up enough to, to know not to go for it. And I hit the ropes and I did my roll and my heat, my, my bottoms of my feet hit his arm because he's laying there and I just completely stopped. And I had to stand up and then go boom and I just splashed him. And, and afterwards, I, I, kept, I kept telling him, please don't use that take. Please, you know. <laughs> Please, I mean, there was a couple other good takes, you know, just, you know, please don't. And they were like, oh, no, no, we're professionals. We're not going to do that. But because it was just background and it wasn't about that, it was about the people talking in front of the camera or whatever, they totally used that take. They used it? Oh, no. I could see Jim Cornette seeing that saying, I don't understand the move. There was no momentum. It was a wasted somersault. And then what's he do? Nothing he couldn't have done without the somersault. I can't get that. <laughs> that was my attempt to get that pitch. That didn't quite what work. the figurative fuck? <laughs> uh, okay, so we got another, some more feedback here. I haven't seen uh, this is Lessa Thompson. 
Lisa Thompson. Lisa Thompson? I haven't seen RVD wrestle in decades. My bad. I have to say, he didn't miss a step and hasn't aged a day. I loved his match with him and Jack Perry. It was a thoroughly entertaining bout. Thank you, RVD. Right on. Thank you. Um, now, this one, I did not know about this, Rob. You could, Maybe you can give me some details about this here. Uh, Magic Bull? Magic Bull says, love the match. Also loved your match against Dante Martin a while back in Mall of America. Hope you signed with AEW. I did not know you fought Dante Martin. Yes, um, it was a tag match, technically. Um, his partner was, oh, no. Yeah, who was my partner then? I guess my um, his partner was Ari Divari. Oh, okay. My partner was um, Sunny. What's her name? Sunny Kiss. Sunny Kiss. Kiss. Yeah. That's what it was. Wow, and, really? Yeah, in Mall America, it was a really big show, and it was like it was a lot of fun, and it was it was like the first place that um, first or last, I think the first place that I think WCW did Nitro, some kind of history like that that everybody knew. It was the first, yeah, it's the first okay. night show took place there. Yep. Mm-hmm. There like you go. Prize people and all that. That's awesome, though. Like, oh, man, I love Dante Martin, such an athlete. And then Sonny yeah. Kiss is a personality and a half. So it's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I ran into Sonny Kiss at a lot of shows all over. Yeah, she's great. I like him. All right. Uh, let's see. So I got to ask this. Rob, uh, have you watched any wrestling this week? None. None. I don't think nope. so. No. Nope. Nope. Now, I, we, you had an interview with Denise Salcedo, uh, and you were talking about your favorite movies. I wanted to bring this up real quick. What are your thoughts on Donnie Brasco as a mafia? Um, I like it. I like it. I mean, I, you know, I like Johnny Depp a lot. I thought they did a good job, really good job, telling the, telling the story. Yeah. And, um, you know, fuck, Al Pacino, come on. You Can't know. Beat out, man. Right. They uh, and you know they made a, a few changes as you have to to tell a story and kind of combined made like a Al Pacino's character was a little bit of a conglomeration because he was um, a lefty Ruggiero and um, um, I guess in real life like in the movie you know he knows he's going to get whacked and when he leaves he takes his jewelry off and all that stuff but that was actually the According to history, that was actually um, done. Lefty went to jail. He didn't to prison. He didn't get killed. But oh. the guy, that, the guy that Michael Madsen plays, um, Sonny Black, yeah, that guy got whacked, and um, and and that was what he did. He left his jewelry and stuff. I think it was with his uh, with his bartender at his um, at his lounge, and he knew he was going to get whacked. And then. Uh, and then when they whacked him, uh, it seems like it, it was a lot like in Goodfellas when um, uh, um, the, he, he played um, Tommy D. Simone, Joe Pesci. Um, oh, yeah. Tommy D. Simone's the real character's name. Anyway, you know, like he went, didn't they go downstairs and then whack him there? Is that where it's yeah, well, like? in like this, like, I think it was like a shed or something like that. Or like well, a garage door opening up and they go into a garage. A- anyway. Oh, fuck. But yeah, so but anyway, with Sonny Black, the guy that um, that Michael Madsen played in uh, Donnie Brasco, uh, they shot him, and the first shot didn't kill him. And according to legend, he's down on his knees, and he grabbed the gun and put it on his head and said, "Do it again and make this a good one." Holy shit! Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I but, love that movie. 
<laughs> it's one of my favorites, I think. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm a big one on that. Casino is great, too, as we talked about on the hidden episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the one that, that's the one that we never aired, huh? That's the one that's never aired, so we're, we're keeping that we one. Yeah, I thought we were going to have to maybe today, you know, but uh, we'll squeeze another short one in here before uh, um, Katie and I got ahead to the airport and we are in New Jersey this weekend at this big oh. wrestle wrestle bash, I think it's called. Oh really? Okay. About it. You know what? We should put fucking well by the time they see it, I guess it'll already be Monday, uh, unless they watch it on Friday. Or unless but, they watch it on Friday or something. But yeah. maybe what I could do too is I should like, give you flyers for this shit, man. Clips. Boom, yeah. big upgrade. Big upgrade in the show happening right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Going down. Going down. Um, is that the 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 boardwalk one that is like happening at the Jersey Shore kind of thing? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's um, um, fuck. I'm gonna find it right here. It's not Long Branch. Uh, is like Crowbar at that one? Somebody else that thinks at that one. There's a lot of guys. I'm gonna see if we can like uh, show the the poster. If it'll show up. Can never find a photo when I'm looking for it or mess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there's a yeah, there's a lot of guys. Uh, Sabu happened to just tell me yesterday that he's in uh, New Jersey this weekend. I'm like, uh, dude, uh, I think I have to. Yeah, it's called Wrestle Bash Two, and it's in um, oh Fairfield, New Jersey. Fairfield. That, that doesn't sound like a boardwalk to me, but I don't know. No. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, there's something that's going on there too. Maybe there's two different shows going down. But hell, man, if anybody's in in the New Jersey area, go see RVD. Yeah, and that that poster that I had there just had me, so I'm googling it because I know I saw a poster with a bunch of people on there. But I'm about to give up, man. I need a producer. Oh, wait, I have a producer. <laughs> I could pop it up. You know what I'll do? I can do. I can put it up on our social media, and uh, also Sweet. let's do that. I can tap YouTube, Chris, hit on your Twitter too. So, uh, let me see here. Where's my we got EDP and Bischoff. And oh shit! Lucha Bros, Two Chord Scorpio, Adina Steel. So um, it's like kind of like a big hoo ha get together. It's thing. a yeah, big wrestling convention. Angelina Love. All right. Man, they were great. I love the beautiful people. I thought that was such a cool faction. They were a lot of fun back then. Yeah. Interesting times that was. No doubt about it. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Anyway, yes. So, So, we got a wrestler spotlight this week. Okay. Um, And it is none other than Shawn Michaels going down. We're talking about it this week. All right. Yes. So, hey. mm. where did, when did you first meet Sean? Mm. I don't recall. Um, I don't remember. I, I would think it was probably pr- probably during the raw in in the invasion when we did. Yeah. Uh, Probably, but I Probably honestly. 2002 when he came back, because he was, yeah, because he was been he would have been gone. I think he came back. I want to say like mid 2002, 
Okay. Something like that. Because it was after Scott Hall left, I know, from the NWO, and he was released from WWE. Because then Shawn Michaels I, later on. I may have met him before that. I, I really don't know, you know, and uh, I just assume, you know, like, especially when you come to a new company, you're meeting, you're going around meeting everybody, and, um, like, one out of every five times that I say, hey, good to meet you, someone's going to say, dude, we've met before. And I'm like, oh, I know, good to see you. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to handle it, though. I mean, how yeah. many people you meet? It is, I, I can only imagine how hard it is to keep track of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. I might have met him as a fan. I don't think so, though. Um, I don't remember because uh, um, I don't think, no, because I only got WWF uh, when I grew up, and those were the only shows I went to. And he, I don't think he was with them until I, you know, started like real early in my career. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's kind of the next question. Were you a fan of the Rockers? For our younger viewers, the Rockers were the tag team Shawn Michaels was a part of with Marty Jannetty. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Me and, me and uh, Dango were inspired by them. I remember we saw this really. <laughs> this really weird exercise. Uh, I guess it was doing a promo. Maybe they're warming up for a match or something, a backstage vignette. And uh, I guess it was Marty had a towel like wrapped around his wrist so he could, he could hold the towel, you know, like, like, like taunt. Like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and um, I think Sean was doing the super kick, like practicing hitting the towel. And I remember me and Dango doing that just because we saw it, you know, and, Thought it must be must be a good idea to uh, to practice kicking a towel. Go but. try this at home. <laughs> yeah. <Not> at home. <laughs> we, but yeah, um, I loved when uh, the Rockers wrestled uh, Pat Tanaka and uh, Paul Diamond. That was for me. That was the heyday of of appreciating um, their their body of work. That was in the AWA, correct? Uh, WWE. Oh, when, okay. when they brought it there, yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, okay, because I remember seeing clips of them, um, clips of them with DDP uh, on the rig side. What was well, the name? Well, Paul Diamond had a mask on, maybe it was called something else. Maybe. Oh, okay. The Diamond Exchange, I think that's what they were called in AWA, if I remember. Not fun. Like so. Yeah. Did you speaking of Marty? Did you get to see the dark side of the ring with him? Yes, I did. What were your yes. thoughts on that? I didn't get to see it, but uh, my thoughts were: I need to call him already, make sure he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a great show. I think it's a, <laughs> always a great show, and it was interesting, and I learned a few things. Um, but you know that <clears throat> that sounded like the crazy Marty that I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as at the end, you know, they're leaving you with that. Uh, suspicion that maybe the story of him killing that dude that tried to molest him might have some truth to it. I didn't expect that because I think he told me uh, before, you know, that it was, that it was bullshit. And then that was just his story at the moment, I guess, you know, like that was his, that was just what he was saying at the moment. And who knows what he says any other moments. So yeah. <laughs> They caught him. They caught him pretty good, and I, I you know, feel bad for him uh, having all that pain in his in his feet. And I know that's true. Yeah. Oh man, it's a, just the the life of a wrestler that has, has kind of lived that existence has to be. I mean, it's difficult to not only survive but just uh, exist after that. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of projects that I talk about with people 
never happen or some of them are in weird different um embryonic stages of development and it's like um eddie mansfield who he's a producer he used mm -hmm. to be a wrestler and wrestling promoter he and i were talking about a show very much like dark side of the ring before dark side of the ring was ever a show you know we i even um shot like a uh, what you call a sizzle reel, you know, for a demo. And and it was telling the stories just like this of wrestlers dying and, and um, getting their family in on it. So very, very similar. So similar, Eddie probably thinks that they took it or something. But but um, one of the ideas he had was to do Marty, Marty Jannetty's story and also uh, Matt Bourne and, uh, wow. you know, follow them uh, on, on the road um, at, at the time, you know, which was... I don't know. It seems like it was like uh, seven, eight years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the idea was to, uh, he wanted to get the money and to get Marty the, the surgery they needed on his feet, you know, and have that be part of the arc of the show. Yeah. Which I, yeah. Well, that would have been great too. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if you look back at like the, the movie, like Beyond the Mat and stuff too, and how they followed like Terry Funk around and shit like that, it's just like, yeah, that would have been a, do a very different take with like the in-person slice of life kind of aspect to it all too. So. Yeah. And, and these guys were still working, you know, little indie shows and stuff. So you could show, you know, the, the, the fall from, from grace to, to where they're at, get their perspective. But, but anyway, there's so many um, ideas for shows. Like I said, that, that, that are sometimes pitched and not picked up or whatever. And this was, this is just one of them that, um, you know, um, I don't know if it's completely dead, but now Dark Side of the Ring pretty much nails that that spot. And it kind of hits that niche kind of thing, so to speak. Sure. I have it. Have you seen the Tales of the Territories? The other, the more kind of lighthearted one of. I haven't of seen it all, but I've, I saw two or three of episodes yeah. of it. Yeah. That'd be that'd be a fun one to check out too. I, I have to. I got to catch up on so many of those ones. But yeah. A lot of it to to some of the points. I know Road Dog was talking about seeing the uh oh my god why am i blanking candido the candido episode and he was like i couldn't finish watching it because i was friends with them and you know it's just a tough watch it can be a tough watch and I, I can only imagine you know for a fan it's just like that for somebody that's a colleague sometimes that has to be tough yeah i guess before this show came out i think a lot of fans had no idea how crazy the uh <laughs> the road life is of the of the wrestlers you know like in in, in general and just, you know, they're learning a lot more about what's going on behind the scenes, which is frowned upon by the old schoolers. But at the same time, you know, they're like, it's it's very enlightening, you know. Uh, and, and, and just like always, I always think people should know history so they can see where we came from, so they can be cognizant of our movement to see how we are improving, where we came from, you know. And, uh, and then have optimism that we're going somewhere, you know? We're not just here. Oh, my God, this is happening? Yeah, but look what used to happen. <laughs> right. Look at how far we've come from this to that. And goes, with, goes with anything, you know? I mean, sometimes it's the other way around, you know? And, um, you know, sometimes things are falling apart, and you, and you see that too. But um, always, always about the bigger picture when you can try to see it. Absolutely. All right, so in the mid-1990s, in the magazines and the internet, you would sometimes get compared to Sean. Did you ever see any similarities between you two in any way when you were going up in the business? Before? 
I, I guess just by us being good looking and having blondish brown hair, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've always, always had people uh, ask me if I'm Shawn Michaels, like always, always, you oh, know, wow, really? <laughs> when I, and I was younger in my career and really trying to uh, make a name for myself and, you know, really opinionated and judgmental about him. You know, I used to like be offended by that. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> uh, and I would, I would take offense to, but, but, um, I, you know, I've gotten Chris Jericho, I've gotten Triple H, you know, but the, the Shawn Michaels thing happens a lot. I get Jean-Claude Van Damme sometimes. Oh, yeah, I bet you, yeah. Mostly I get RVD, though. But, Mostly, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but just just like, um, oh, was it Sapphire Pool Party? When was uh, that, baby? Yeah. Saturday? Or, yeah. Yeah, just, just a few days ago. <laughs> we, were, we were leaving a, a pool party, and then... Uh, when I leave, everyone comes up that was leaving me alone, right? And and they get pictures. And then Katie, Katie's always cool. Grab, you know, she'll take the picture for him, you know, and she's happy to do that. And then um, we go to walk away, and another dude comes up with his phone, and he goes, Shawn Michaels? <laughs> Just a few days ago. Yeah. Really? Wow. And like, no. <laughs> yeah. The heartbreak kid right here. <laughs> yeah, it, it happens a lot. So other people definitely see the comparison. How often do you get mistaked for Matt Byrne? Um, <laughs> not too often. No, oh, okay. I don't think Matt Byrne had too many fans, really. Whatever happened to that guy? I don't even he know. never did anything remarkable. Oh, okay. Nothing, nothing extraordinary. I think he sells real estate now. Mm. I'm not sure. Fake estate. Fake estate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> When you came to the WAF in 2001, Sean was still away in the WAF. He left in 1998 after losing the world title to Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14 because of a back injury he suffered at Royal Rumble that year when he wrestled The Undertaker in a casket match. He returned to the WAF in 2002. Do you have any uh, memories of interactions with him when he returned? Well, we talked about you like not knowing when you first met him. Do you remember him actually coming back or anything like that? Well, I mean, I, I, I associate that with the match I had with him. So, I mean, I'm sure that's coming up. But oh, I yeah, yeah. We're talking about it. I got to jump to it because that's that's what I think about when he came back. You know, and I, um, I had a match with him at Madison Square Garden, I believe. And at this time, I was still... You know, like I was just saying, you know, still in that in that in that frame of mind, you know, where it's like, uh, dude, I'm my own man, and um, everybody wanted me to be excited about the match. I remember all the agents kept. It was weird for me because you know I, I think I've explained I came up in a different time, and I wasn't allowed to even be a fan the first time I came in a dressing room way before my first match. You know, you're not a fan if you're one of the boys. That's just how Sabu and Sheik taught me. And, and and now it's much different. But this is, what was it, 2002, you said? This was 2002, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, um, it was weird for me that I remember specifically a conversation with Stephanie McMahon, and it was already after everyone else was trying to, pick my brain to see how I felt, you know, how excited I was and all that. And, and then again, she said, do you, you know, is this like, I don't know, like a, a dream match for you? Like, I, I don't know, like, do you, do you have dream matches? Um, and, and I felt, you know, like I had a relationship with her enough to where I felt like I could open up and talk. And I said, I don't, I, I don't get it. Like, why is everybody 
coming up to me um asking me this i mean i'm 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 a competitor here i'm he i'm like have you seen the matches i've had since i've been here for the last 12 18 months or whatever like like everyone's wondering about how this match is going to be if the match isn't great that's on him. He's the one with the bad back. He's the one that's been missing and he's just coming back. And like, everyone's asking me like how I feel about this match. And if it's, and it's just, I, I didn't, I didn't get it. I was, I was really confused, you know? And, and admittedly right now, as I say that it, it sounds, you know, um, a little bit disrespectful on my part, you know, I guess to not, to not, just say I'm honored to work with them or whatever, but my competitive spirit, you know, gave me that perspective. Well, too, it's like, I'm sure at that point in time, like you're talking about having that competitive, you know, aspect of it all, like you looking more to him as like a colleague than like, Hey, this is somebody I, you know, was growing up a little bit watching. Exactly. You want to have that kind of mindset where it's like, Hey, this is kind of like a shark infested waters in certain amount of ways. And I'm trying to, you know, make my own route in this business. So it's like yeah, you get it, you get yeah. it. That's what it is. Fans don't get that. You know what I mean? Like uh, I remember when I did the Ivory Theology uh, episode, and I talked about um, Scott Hall, and like man, some of the comments on there, some of the fans were pissed. You know, and and uh, I'm like, yeah, you forget, I'm not a fan. This is a guy I work with. You know, I'm just talking about another dude. You know that that's one of my peers. Right. <laughs> yeah, you get it though. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so apparently, so maybe this is where this happened, Rob, at Madison Square Garden, because the first time you were in a match with Sean was at Survivor Series 2002. So where you and him were two of the six in the first ever Elimination Chamber match. Okay, so yeah, the first ever Elimination. Was this in Madison Square Garden? Um, Two didn't get to be in the ring at the same time. As you were eliminated before Sean entered the match, he'd go on and pin Triple H to win the world title. So, Um, So Sean had a bad rep for his attitude before we left in 1998, but pretty much everyone seemed to say that he was a totally changed man when he returned to WAF in 2002. Did you ever hear about people talking to you about that? And did you ever see any evidence of that with his interactions or any stories that you heard? Of his change? Yeah, of his change. Like, from bad attitude to kind of, you know, uh, you know, uh, kind of reset his morals. I know he got married and faith became a big aspect of his life and all that kind of stuff. I know you had comments before on this, but yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like I've heard him say it a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the guy that I I didn't know him, you know, back in, in before '98 to to compare. Yeah. Um, but the guy, you know, as far as him being there around in the building, any interactions or or working with them when I was there, he he wasn't that. Um, that horrible shitty person that he was rumored to have been before. So I tend to believe that, uh, that he did grow, you know, and, uh, and to jump forward, by the way, um, at WrestleMania this year, um, I think I might've talked about this on the show. I don't know, but I saw him by, you know, I caught him by himself and I, I ran up to him, you know, and said, Hey, uh, you know, I said, dude, I, the footage of me making fun of your your eye, you know, like that just will never die. People love it, and I, you know, I'm, I tell them I'm glad that you're entertained by it, but I I feel like you know such a dick because that has to suck so bad. And I had 
double vision with my uh, concussion, you know, for a long time, I had to go to vision therapy and uh, all these experts. And, and, and when I, when I told him that he said, yeah, I saw the movie. So I was like, sweet, you watch Headstrong. And, um, and then, uh, and I said, you know, like to think about, you know, just the headaches and, and how inconvenient that would be because I was thrown way off my game, not being able to see right. You know, it just like, you know, for a while I was like lost, like, uh, um, and then, and, and I can just imagine, you know, and he was just, he said something, you know, about that, uh, um, something to the effect, you know, about that, uh, he didn't take it that seriously, which he's told me before, you know, but I still wanted to say this, but something, something about growth. He said something, you know, cause I said, you know, like fucking, uh, um, you know, I, I would, I, don't, I wouldn't do that now, you know, like that. I wouldn't right. like now I'm all about try not to put anything negative out there. He says something about, yeah, you know, we all kind of, you know, look at me. I used to be a dick. I, I paraphrase. I don't remember what he said, but yeah, he said something yeah. about, like, I can, like, we all, you know, um, you know, grew from where we were before and then whatever, you know, we hugged it out. And um, uh, I said, thanks for watching Headstrong, bro. Spread the word. Available <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny, no, because it's like um, I have a lazy eye too. You might have noticed it already, but like if I look with this side, my the other eye goes screwy. So I'm looking at you right now. So yep. I don't know where it goes. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah, but it's not. I never got hit in the head. Oh, I got a concussion one time, but like well, I was that, born that way. That so. cause that, uh -huh. Yeah, dude. yeah. I had. Uh, I mean, that's why I've always worn glasses since I was like two years old because you know my both my eyes didn't go forward. I had my mom always says I was cross-eyed. You know. Um, I think I'm farsighted, but I don't even know if it's farsighted or nearsighted. I think I'm farsighted, but my eyes have always been bad. And, uh, yeah, just even if I didn't have my glasses on or contacts for a couple of days, I think I would just start getting a headache from straining and shit. So, obviously, it took it took a dick to make fun of him, and I just told him, you know, you didn't deserve that for anything you did to me or whatever. It's just for being the man that you are. That's right. You earned it. <laughs> you earned that position. Yeah. All right. So here it is. Yeah. Wait, is this it? Is this it? Let me check. On the November 18th, 2002 Raw, you know, okay. So this is the week before. You won a triple threat match against Booker T and Chris Jericho to earn the shot at the world title. And then that takes us to the match we were, we've been talking about. Uh, November 25th, 2002 Raw. This is in Charleston, South Carolina. And oh, okay. many, yep, many would consider a dream match. And heck, Jim Ross even said that on commentary, who was great, by the way, uh, during this match. What he broke down and how he raised the stakes to it was awesome. Uh, said it was a dream match, a match that many thought would never happen. You challenged Shawn Michaels for the world title. Now, Chris writes here, you kind of laid the groundwork for this match in ECW in 1998. After you did the Van Dam lift, you looked into the Ooh. camera. You looked into the camera and Good you point. said you never claimed to be the showstopper. You're Ross Van Dam. You are the fucking show. And, of course, the showstopper was Shawn Michaels' nickname. So how about that? True. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good research by Chris there. Talk about the day of this match. Did you? Did people come up to you and talk to you about the match beforehand? What was kind of like your mindset, if you remember anything? Well, so that's what I – this is the night that I was just talking about before. I just had the uh, uh, locations mixed up, apparently, because I totally remember it being – Madison Square Garden, but if it was Charleston, South Carolina, then 
you know, it's that's it's that singles match though. Um, and his he was coming back from a back injury, and uh, you know, I, I was just like, I know he's you know Shawn Michaels and all, but dude, have you seen the whole damn show? Like, have you seen what I've been doing? You know, and like. You know, I'm not going to, this isn't going to be the one bad match I have, you know, relax everybody. And if it's anything less than perfect, I felt like he was the risk. I thought that I had built up a, a steady streak of enough momentum to where they could feel confident in, in me, my performance. And I felt like that was being questioned just by, did I have what it took to meet up, you know, to the standards of this guy? And I don't know, that's how I felt like inside my head, you know, but outside of that, um, I don't remember much of the match. I think I remember doing a crossbody out to the floor. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was cool. Maybe he was taped up too. Were his ribs taped or? No, his ribs weren't taped up. Uh, you did almost. It was kind of like a, almost an Asai moon salt. Where, but you kind of like turned around and did like a a moon salt crossbody in a way. You didn't catch me quite well. I noticed, but then you guys kind of recovered. And but I tell you what. The selling in this match that you were doing was like top tier kind of stuff because he was working your leg a good good amount of the match and like that was a huge focus of it and then obviously his back was the story on his end where like uh there became opportunities and stuff like that so a rolling splash on his back yes okay. that's how that's how the finish happened uh right. but for the match here sean there was a backstage segment where sean came to you in the dressing room and slapped you immediately and you slapped him back uh Chris asked, how much did you hold back on that slap? I thought it was a cool segment, the little bit that I saw. No holding back. Yep, no holding back. It was cool shit, man. It was just like, all right, these two guys are game and they're ready to fucking fight one another. <laughs> just like, yeah, we can, we can take it. We yeah, can take exactly. It. Send right. it in. <laughs> Send it in, baby. That's um, what, uh, that's, that was, that's an expression Gary Albright um, – and Doc, Steve Williams used to always say in Japan, you know, they we were talking about someone being really stiff, like Kawada's ass or something. We'd be joking, saying, send it in. You know, we'll take who, it. Fuck it. Who was the hardest slapper that ever slapped you? Is there is there one that you're like, holy fuck, that was a lot? <laughs> um, I'm sure there, there was, but I can't remember, like, nothing – no, I guess nothing pops out like nothing that. Like I, mean, out I, I remember that it has happened, you know. Yeah. Uh, I have gotten smacked really hard where I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, but you just, you know, guess what? You got a receipt coming. Right. Just, yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I just <laughs> it's a it's a quick it's a quick transition trans transition or transaction rather. You can't you can't wait till later on, you know. It's like um, hey, next shot's yours, baby. <laughs> and you know what? Like you can't really like, you can't hone in a, on a slap. You can't half-ass a slap. You kind of gotta show it. And it's like, I don't know. Like it, it, you think about the, that, like when chair shots happen and stuff like that. By the way, I hate um, almost all wrestling punches. And and here's something people don't know, but I have a great fucking punch, and I never like have it. No one really says anything about it. But prior to like 2000. I don't know if it was one or two. My punches uh, were were not on par, and that's because, well, like from from doing real punches from martial arts and shit, you try to you do it quick and you, and and you try to hide the motion so that they don't see it coming. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then 
with wrestling or with screen fighting. It's an exaggerated move where where there, where there's a lot. It's a lot more dramatic so that everybody can see it in the top row. And so sometimes, like I would do like these little jabs, and people would say in ECW. And people would tell me, even even like my first year in WWE, like they would talk about my punches sometimes, get me a side agents or whatever, and and, and they would say, you know, like they they'd act like just my punches are holding me back, you know. Wow. And I was like, who? Everyone's punches suck, you know. What I mean, look at, I mean, look at the top guys, and, and they and they punch with the meaty boom, or they hold the guy's hand and, and or, or they hold the guy's chin every time. Yeah, or, I I'm I'm a critic of like I hate almost everybody's punches. Um, except Sabu. Sabu's were always great. And um, it was um, Blackjack Lanza one time at a WWE show that pulled, you know, he pulled me aside before the show and he said, come here. He goes, I'm going to teach you how to punch. Because I was like, dude, you're saying like, like everyone's acting like I got everything, but this one little thing bothers like so many people. There's got to be something to it. But when I watch other wrestlers' punches, I'm like, I hate their fucking punches. Like, I hate, I hate what people accept for punches. But anyway, Blackjack Lanza, um, he, you know, he we went, he just looked at me, you know, stand here, and we were, and he just, he just like showed me, you know, and it just from that, that one, I mean, five, ten minutes, whatever it was with Blackjack Lanza, because. It, he wanted to take the time. He changed me. And after that, after that point on, you know, my punches are always like fucking, uh, you know, right on. And uh, Caught on, man. Boom. I never get credit for it, dude. So I'm going to we'll do the Barry Horror with Barry Pat. Horror with that, baby. <laughs> fucking, uh, yeah. Although sometimes I'll do, I'll do like an uppercut, like to the ribs. And, and that still like doesn't have enough movement, you know, to, to look really good. But it's like a follow through with the shoulder that if you really know. Bam! Like you know, that's that's how you uppercut. But with wrestling, you know, it's got to kind of um, you got to exaggerate but, a little bit. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I mean, you, it's drama. It's movement. You want everyone to be able to see it, and uh, and you know, like quick. Yeah. A anyway, and I also I, people do 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 do. Like, come on, do what do 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 on my chest. You know, and yeah. you want me to. <laughs> what do you want me to do? You just, why are you giving me a massage? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, all right. So, yeah, the finish saw you hitting Sean with the frog splash to his back, but uh, Triple H came through the crowd, pulled you outside of the ring, and hit you with the pedigree on the floor. You and Sean never again wrestled each other for some crazy reason. Were you ever disappointed about that? Would have you been, it would have been a heck of a WrestleMania match, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, not that I know of. No. Nope. I don't, you know, yeah, I mean, I probably didn't notice. Yeah. But I do have a uh, Shawn Michaels story. Um, All right. We were in Australia, and um, there was a – it's a touristy thing. It's uh, the bridge. I think it's the Sydney Bridge, and you can climb it. And uh, we were getting, like, told by everybody that it was, like, really dangerous because Shawn and I – were somehow handpicked as a wrestling appearance, you know, kind of promotional thing to do to uh, to climb the, uh, I think it's the Sydney Harbor Bridge. And uh, like Dean Malenko kept coming up and said, no, are you, it's not too late to back out. You know, you sure you're going to do this? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, because I mean, you know, and then someone else would come up and say, like, very few people have this 
honor her a chance to do this. You know that, right? Like, this is really, like, a big deal. And they kept coming up to both of us and saying that. And we're like, dude, what? You know, yeah. And, I, you know, and they were, are you sure now? You know, all right, it's not too late. We can get someone else to do it because it's like, I mean, you're going to be, like, way up there. I'm like, I don't care. Other people do it. I'll do it, of course. And, and then <laughs> – and we were like, you know, like, man, what is this is going to be like, we're going to be like climbing or what this is going to be crazy. When it came down to it, it it's like uh, a touristy, um, it steps the whole time and you have a belt with a, a loop on it and, and a long chain runs through that loop. So you can never fall and leave the pack anyway. And uh, you, you hook yourself up to the chain and you just like walk up the steps. And it was so, it, it, I don't want to say it was lame, but as far as the uh, risk factor, scare factor, super lame. You know, there was pictures <laughs> inside afterwards in the uh, souvenir shop, pictures all over the wall of all these like grandmas that did it. Frankie, <laughs> Frankie Muniz or whatever his name is, uh, Malcolm in the Middle. He was like, that dude did it. Oh my God. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, we got worked. But it was cool. It was cool. <laughs> not a Stallone and Cliffhanger kind of shit. <laughs> no, not at all. Like I was like, can I at least like unhook myself and run up the steps? No. No, 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 no. Jeez. Jeez. Well, cool. Um, so what we how I usually end these, uh, like legacy wise, Shawn Michaels in the business. He's obviously with NXT, uh, runs operates that ship, uh, known as Mr. WrestleMania. Uh, just plenty of you know, let's say a lot of people say he's one of the best workers in the business to ever live. Uh, what do you think his legacy is uh, overall in wrestling coming into play? Um, I think that he will go down as one of the uh one of the best workers uh best wrestlers in in the industry and he was instrumental in breaking ground from being the previously considered giants to um closer to the 200 pound mark guys and, and with that came more demand you know you guys you guys are instead of being 400 pounds you know if you're 220 work your ass off for me you know and because then that's what he would do and that's what we all do and 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 that allowed the fans to adapt to that and appreciate the difference you know and uh and i think a lot of that was because of uh his matches with like with bret hart and uh, and all and all of his stuff so yeah he's gonna go down as he's gonna go down as that guy um and rightfully so no doubt about it. It's and it's kind of like you think about you know he always gets compared. But both these guys, it's almost like uh, like Jordan and LeBron, almost like uh, like uh, Sean and Sean and Brett. You know the two rivals, even like you know although obviously Jordan and LeBron didn't play with one another, but you know Brett and Sean, they always get the comparisons about like hey, which camp are you kind of in? Where I think in a lot of ways with wrestling, you can kind of take from both of them, be like they, they were both great in their own right. You know, you know yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. For sure. So you know what, Rob? Since we got it, we're gonna get you out here a little early again. We'll hold off on the stretcher match. We're gonna hold off on the stretcher match here. <laughs> but we will take a few Ask RVDs. So cool. uh, I credit a wrestling historian for kind of helping curate some of these. But here we go. We'll start with this one. Jason Bayless says, according to Taker, Rob was originally his scheduled opponent for WrestleMania 18. Had he not wanted to work with Rick. 
I was wondering, did Rob ever hear that? And what kind of match do you think he and Taker could have delivered at WrestleMania? Did you ever hear anything about that, Rob? I don't recall ever hearing that. If I had, then, you know, I just let it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I did wrestle him a lot. Uh, and we had good matches. We had a lot of cage matches too for some reason we went on the road and it felt very much like two veterans being in the ring didn't need to even see each other before the match just it was like uh e easy comfortable being in there um being in there you know without having to uh think about anything you know except for just being in the moment and stuff so um it was cool but i don't i don't think i i don't think i did too well in the uh in the win loss department against Taker. <laughs> who does against taker though half the time you know <laughs> brock lesnar is the only one to kind of fucking have his number <laughs> so uh, what do you think about that street the streak ended has, has anybody ever asked you about that the streak uh, that, that kind of coming into play would you would you let his legacy kind of live on or would you have been like ah let him pass it on to somebody else in a certain I thought that it was cool. Um, I mean, it, it, it's it's a wrestling storyline. Brock Lesnar is, in my opinion, um, one of the most outstanding individuals to be in the industry. You know, the fact that he could be the UFC champion at the same time and legitimately brag about being the toughest guy in the world because he sat in that seat that was so good for the business and he's so good for the business you know he's 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 you know what a what a uh, pro wrestler should be he's a great amateur wrestler that went pro because he was so damn good so i hey why not you know who who, who else who else is going to be undertaker but i was there at wrestlemania when it happened and i was shocked at the shock i couldn't believe i couldn't believe how all the boys were putting that over and they all turned into little kids <laughs> in my mind i'm like why why do they care so much I, I i'm disconnected from that fandom heart for better or worse and so i was i couldn't believe it I'm looking at every i mean the back in the press box or whatever with all the boys and they're all going <gasps> What? And I, I was like, "Are you are you being serious right now?" I, I, that's how I felt. It was strange, strange for me. Uh, well, you, you know what though, Brock. At that moment in time, he was pretty cooled off. Like people expected him when he came back and stuff. He was intense because he destroyed Cena, all that stuff. But I remember at the time being like, "I was like, ah, uh, Brock's gonna lose, and like it's just gonna another fill gap for Taker and stuff like that." So it's like that really put him back on the map as like this fucking world beater that he is. So uh, it, to that point, he's like carried that on and carried, you know, WWE on as like one of the top guys. And like he's like Nash said this on his previous podcast. He's a unicorn in, in wrestling. It's just like that was a good, of, yeah. good investment. <laughs> it was a good, investment. very good investment. Yeah. All right. Uh, to tie that in, a wrestling historian asks, can you tell us a funny story with Kane at all? Thanks in advance. Any any good stories with Kane? 
When we were in India, I think it was 2003, I think, might have been five, but uh, Kane and I did a commercial where we were in a ring. It was set up outside, and there was some little kid that I think the kid is associated with this cookie or cracker, animal cracker or something. And uh, I think the kid was famous for doing these commercials, and he was in the ring beating us up like throwing us around and stuff. I've never seen the commercial. I don't know what happened to it. You know, I wonder if, if that exists out there. Um, that would be pretty cool to see. Ooh, I'm going to look that up. Look yeah. That yeah. <laughs> Dude, I've never Little seen Cracker commercial nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Jeez. All right. I yeah, we'll just go with this one real quick. Uh, this is like a cheap plug for uh, RVDology, I think, but we'll see what you say, too. Uh Kip in Buffalo asks, Dear RVD, how do you stay so productive? What habits, behaviors, and actions do you employ to stay on top of your game? I mean, you say a lot of this stuff, too, in RVDology, which, uh, Kip, you should check out. Uh, good stuff. We'll table it for this week, but uh, RVDology is one of my favorite segments that we do on the show. So, And then you do your own videos on it, too. So, It's all relevant because it's the way that I live, you know. And uh, the answer to this one is I prioritize that's how I stay as productive as I do in my mind. I could always be way, way more productive. There's like a hundred projects in my head at all times. And so I have to uh, not give each of them a piece of me because then I'm too dispersed and that's not good for my overall bundle of energy that I'm trying to hold together here. And I've learned that. And so I prioritize. And so um, some things I might be working on right now because it's my front plate that might change. Something else might come along that's more important. I might have to put that away for a second. I'm going to have to put that away for 10 years. And, and there are projects that are at least 10 years old, half written shit. I always know where I could improve. And that's part of being self-aware and and uh and improving first you got to see where you can improve you know what i mean and so i prioritize with that if it's important enough to me then i'll put more energy into it and improve at improving and being more productive yep there you go it's uh, and to tie it too with rvdology uh i think of what you said during the competitive one where it's like chalk things up as little wins like that you do throughout the your course of time like and little yeah, wins right. like it's like hey i got this stuff done and that's what i should be you know content with about and you know i'm yep. building towards it building towards it and prioritizing adds on to it so no doubt yep. about it rob every every time you get uh something something off your list make a list i, I do lists all the time all over envelopes and notebooks and everywhere um but like each time i get to cross one off that's a w you know so i, I gotta i gotta call the accountant boom did that w i gotta uh I got to find these checks, you know, boom, scored another W. Sometimes it's a really small W because I don't really feel like doing much, but I'm like, you know what? All I got to do is uh, I, I've been wanting to put that in the shed or, or put something away. Let me go get that little W. Sometimes it's a really big W and it's like, whoo, feels good to have that finally off my plate. But that's a good way to stay positive, stay productive, and just keep getting them Ws. There you go, Kip. That's how you do it, brother. No. So Cool. Rob, uh, see him in Fairfield, New Jersey this weekend. Uh, yeah. For Mont no, Russell Bash? Russell Mash? 
something that even though, even though we're doing uh, Wrestle Bash two two dope yeah even even though uh, we're doing a short episode uh, I'll uh, I'll take a crack at uh, spin out some Marvel theology if you got a couple minutes yeah let's do it to it all right cool we'll pop it up here we'll, uh, talk, Rob it's time to wrap it up here so Marvel theology yes. boom Rob boom yeah so uh what i want to talk about is the truth and um how important is the truth because we all have our own values that means it's going to be it's going to rank higher on certain people's list than on others for me truth is very important it's necessary Yet at the same time, is I don't need for everyone to know the truth. So I don't often go out of my way to correct people if they misreport something. It's not something I usually feel the obligation for because I figure like, well, they believe it, they're silly, whatever. But if you do that enough and you let the bullshit stay out there long enough, then it becomes common law truth to the basic thinker and i know that true i I know that as well you know so i have this podcast so that inspires me uh to uh spit a little more truth feel a little more motivated to to maybe do like some corrections where normally i would just let it pass by and say huh they're silly you know i've said before i've never ever read um a report of my income, what I'm making with any company that's anywhere near what um, what the truth is. But at the same time, I don't really feel like correcting it. But I have responded to it just to say, I wonder, like, do they make that up? Or does someone else make that up and, and then lie to them and they actually have a source? But either way, it's not important to me that everybody knows that particular truth. Um, but then... I personally won't lie about it. I just have my own boundaries like everybody should have. You should have your own boundaries. You should know where your boundaries are. The less that you compromise your own boundaries, the happier you are with yourself. I mean, I know a lot of people that maybe they're wrestlers like me and they'll do an interview and say, oh, man, she asked me about our sex life. I wish I wouldn't have gotten into that or whatever. You just weren't prepared. Like, whatever your boundaries are, be comfortable with that. And when they get there, talk around it or let them know, like, uh, hey, you're going to have to keep, you know, keep uh, keep dreaming about it, whatever. Um, so it's not like I need everybody to know what the exact truth is. However, I feel like we are living tomorrow's history. And so if we bullshit and we fuck up all the facts, boom, that becomes the truth. And that does bother me. Um, I've said this many times. I'm the most honest person that I know. And when I say that, I'm always surprised that nobody disputes it. Nobody ever says, no, I'm the most, you know, they look at me and I think they probably think I'm lying right now. They probably think I'm full of shit when I say that, you know, it's like some people probably think honest people don't really need to tell people that they're honest. I'm actually proud of it. You know, it's a quality that I'm proud of. That's why I'm talking about it right now about the truth. Um, There's so many myths about me out there and there always will be, 
you know, uh, I've heard or read that I have like a, a federal ID that allows me to, uh, uh, to smoke weed and the president can't fuck with me uh, <laughs> from, from that to being on the cover of High Times magazine. Guess what? That didn't even happen. That's just like one of those myths. And it's like, I just let people think it. I've read that I found a time machine in Pennsylvania and went back in time. There's always stuff out there, you know, especially when you're of a status like I am and I've been around for hundreds of years. So there's going to be a lot of legend, a lot of myths, like Andre the Giant, half of his stories yeah, like, is that really true? I just saw your brother, by the way, on Jake the Snake show. Yeah. Jake, Jake talking about a story of Andre the Giant where uh, Dick Murdoch and um, who was the other guy? Um, fuck. Mm, another big dude anyway, but they went to jump Andre at a bar and he threw him. Blackjack Mulligan? It might have been. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was because yeah, had, I think I heard that story. They were both Black Jack Mulligan stories. One was, yeah, one was that. And uh, so, anyway, um, Andre threw both of them through two plate glass windows, went out, held the cab down, opened up the trunk, threw them in the trunk, got in the cab, went to the hospital, told the hospital, take care of these guys and send them back to the bar. And then took the cab back. You know, that's, is that, did that really happen like that? I mean, that's <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that's, that's going to happen. Um, and not to mention a lot of real uh, facts of my life are pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Anyway, you know, the, uh, the cover shot of high times magazine that was actually inserted in Ozzy Osbourne's on the cover. However, I don't care, you know, to ruin people's memories of it. But in real life, I did debate um, the, the the former drug czar, uh, Barry McCaffrey, on, on national television. You know, um, that's, you know, that's a that's a pretty big uh, thing. But for me, I'm overly honest. My evil ex hated that, and I and, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Because some people, if they say they're overly honest, they're just negative people, and they feel like I'm just being honest, and they feel <laughs> right. I don't feel obligated to to tell people something just because I think it's true. But if somebody asks me something, uh, what I give them is going to be uh, is, is going to be the truth. You know, um, the fans on social media. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> because of their relationship with the truth here's what my legacy is going to go down as which is all bullshit in, in, in their community right everything there's so much bullshit and I just haven't bothered to comment on you know like when I write the book it's going to be inconsistent with uh, with a lot of the stories that are complete bullshit. You know, I've heard uh, idiots on social media complaining uh, about uh, no job Rob um, refusing to put young talent over. Never happened. That's not even the way the business works. You know, they're going to think that uh, I was, uh, me and Sabu were smoking weed, got arrested, and I got fired from WWE when I was champion. 
Like I made a bad decision at that moment when I was on top. None of that's true. I smoked weed the whole way up the ride. And at that moment, not only were we not smoking, I didn't even get arrested. And I know people are going to give pushback on that because you can probably hear me saying uh, that I got arrested like over the last several years. I just recently found out that um, it, I wasn't arrested because I've learned a little bit about the law. And what happened was um, they took all our luggage out right there on the side of the road, went through everything. And then I drove to the police station and then gave them some money. And then I drove away. You can't drive while you're arrested or even being detained. Yeah. And so, and so anyway, that just happens. And besides people are going to think that my brain is fried from concussions. That's another thing with legacy. People think that they have what a better memory than me that their uh that their, their brain works faster i don't know how they somehow feel like i'm inferior to them because i've had concussions but i think if you watch this show not only can you see uh that my brain functions fine uh, and not only can you also see like i mentioned before that i smoke couple of joints and I'm and I don't get baked or fucked up but everyone still wants to know how high was he um th this is all part of my legacy and people are going to think that I have CTE that's what the idiots are, are going to be talking about and of course I don't have CTE CTE is a degenerating progressively worsening disease like alzheimer's it gets worse and worse and then you don't remember your name i don't have it i don't even have long-term brain damage in anybody except for one idiot on social media knows about and uh, <laughs> not to mention i went through all the tests and neurologists and all the doctors and, and went through everything and still because the fans are idiots it's going to go down in history rvd had cte and uh that's why he doesn't wrestle because they don't care about the truth. Perception is reality. They hear something, good enough for them. They're going to take that and uh, and run with it. And, and by the way, quick point. Last week I started something I didn't and I didn't finish it. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah because uh, Katie changed my perspective on this. I, I kind of thought that it was like trolling because when it comes to cannabis and I'm an advocate, I'm a facts and numbers guy. I feel like I'm above the level of dude, let's stand on our head and do a gravity bong, whatever, dude, I fight for the, everyone's rights and I have to lower myself sometimes to connect with that level because um, that is a big part of the community of, uh, of cannabis. But the point I wanted to make when people try to discredit whatever yeah, I'm doing, whatever I'm saying with, dude, how high are you? Dude, you're so big. And, and then to them, I started, I felt like that was kind of like trolling. Like these guys, like they're trying to discredit me. And Katie changed my perspective on that. She said, no, they're connecting with you because those are your people. You know, those are your people that are that are like, dude, they want to know, like, how high are you? Because they think it's cool about you. And she changed my perspective on that to where I'm like, you know, I think she's right. At least some of the times, not all the time. I mean, depending on how it's worded, but I yeah. get that. 
I get that now. So, so instead of feeling insulted by it, um, I, I recognize it, you know, for, for what it is. So I appreciate her, uh, um, changing my thoughts on that because as you know, I have a lot of idiots on social media that are committed, committed to disagreeing with me or misunderstanding me. And, um, and, I'm going to start blocking them. I just decided that. Someone, I read today, someone said, don't block them, put them on mute. That way uh, they still read, but you can't see them. And that sounds like a good idea. But as long as I've been on Twitter, I've blocked like just a handful of people. It's it's just been something that I really didn't believe in, free speech and all. But when you look at it, like it's just negative energy from certain posts. And that's all they want is to, is to change your energy, to lower your frequency. Bah, nobody needs that. So, so I'm going to start doing that, and that's cool. And in the meantime, dude, truth is pretty fucking important, man. It's real life. It's, it's all relatable. When you tell lies, then you got to remember shit that you told. You got to cover them up. I mean, I used to think it was cool to, to be a player when I was young and stupid and have a bunch of girls and lie to them and, and, and fuck them over and stuff. Now I think, what a piece of shit I was, you know? And and if you're a piece of shit and you don't realize it yet, hope maybe this will help you out, you know? And not everyone's in a position uh, like I am where they can have a complete foundation built from the ground up like I have so personally done that can afford the truth still that's on you that's you and your disingenuous life and you the got yourself in the predicament where you can't tell the truth and really i don't think it's that important to everyone anyway as much as it is to me but like i say right now we are living tomorrow's history i don't want to change it that's all dude i like it rob you know it's good stuff because yeah it's neat too that katie gave you that different perspective on it because yeah people like they want to connect with you and that's like hey i smoke weed i get yeah. high and i know rob gets high that's something that i can't usually share with somebody maybe in my life but i can share with rob you know yeah yeah, yeah um, and i yeah i just take it as like i'm above that because as i've said you know for me it's the, i would quit smoking completely yeah. if that would make it more accessible to everybody that really needs it i mean it's my you know, my my interest in the agenda of ending prohibition is is not like a, one of a selfish desire to, to get fucked up because I don't get fucked up. You know, if you if you see me on here getting fucked up, let me know. Right. I never, like I said last week, Rob, I never noticed. Like when you said you spoke two joints, I had no clue. <laughs> We've been uh, recording how many episodes? <laughs> and. And that's not everybody, but that's me. And we're all individuals. You know, I have people tell me like, dude, come on. There's no way you don't get the munchies. I don't. And I'm not the only one. I know plenty of other um, functional talkers that don't get the munchies. Right, right. Well, yeah, I think it's good, too, to just be like, hey, if you mute them or if you block them, either way, it's like you're getting that negative energy out of there. But, like, it's like I always try to think, too, it's like, Twitter only, or the X, whatever it is now, is only 20% of the population. So, like, their perspective is skewed, and it's always negative. It's just like, oh. Right, I, I don't want to be accessible to, to certain people or forms of life. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 
before social media, you weren't, you know what I mean? Right. Like growing up, you couldn't just, I mean, just pick any, any, uh, random actor, you know, you couldn't just, uh, get, you know, just send Robert De Niro a message, you know, right. you start, you know. I hate that mole on your face, asshole. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Yep. <laughs> do, and they don't realize that, uh, you know, they're, the more shit you put out there, the more you're just surrounding yourself with shit. You're like a dog stuck in a little dog pen cage and you're surrounding yourself with shit because that's all you put out there. That's it. That's it. Guys, we won't surround you with shit here on the Podcast Network. No way. We got, we're on the premiere. <laughs> if you want to catch it, every Friday at 420, we drop on the premiere streaming network. But you can catch us everywhere on Monday at 420 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Rob just conducted an interview with uh, Denise Salcedo, and uh, very good. So go out of your way to check that out. Um, Rob shares some cool insight on different things. Music, a cool perspective on music you have that we haven't touched upon, but you touched it on there. So check check it out there. Um, as far as anything else, yes, see Rob in Fairfield, New York City. August 20th, uh, depending on when they – Listen to this is the uh, Wrestle Bash 2. Boom. Coming up this weekend, yeah, folks. At so, the uh, at Fairfield, New Jersey. Big Time Collectibles. Big time I guess Big Time Collectibles. Oh, AsylumWrestlingStore.com. So that's probably the vendor that's bringing me in. Oh, there you go. There you, there go. you go. How about that? And then, yeah, uh, coming up on uh, Labor Day weekend, uh, we're going to see Rob at StarCast 6 in Chicago, Illinois. So... Uh, be on the lookout for that. Should be a good time. Uh, it's always a good time under that we'll Conrad promotion. So, and we'll see you there, right? Right, I will be there as well. So it'll be a little, uh, little get together kind of thing. We'll, uh, yeah, nothing behind us. Mind show. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? I wanted to uh, open this up. Jo um, my airbrush artist sent me a uh, a new oh. outfit. Oh, okay. Hey, like an unboxing kind of thing. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. I want to do it. We'll close it out. Okay. The show like I, you know, try not to, try not to get my uh, address on here and, and and still show what I'm, <laughs> what I'm, <laughs> what I'm doing. But I got a uh, FedEx uh, envelope. Oh here. boy. Anyway, nope. I lied. It's UPS. <laughs> yep. Anyway, dude. Joe Holland sent me a new outfit, and right here we go. Oh, it's different. Color. All right, it's blue. I like it. It's in plastic, right? And where will I wear this? Battle Creek, Michigan, perhaps. And it is RVD. Dude, it's very similar to the uh, tiger striped orange and white that yeah. everybody loves, but it's beautiful blue. What do you think? Looking great. I like it. That's like almost uh, Jurassic Parkish too, in a way. In a way, I like it. Mm. RVD. Damn good. Damn good, Rob. <laughs> Damn good. Where are we gonna see that at? You guys gotta wait and find out. That's how it's gonna Ooh. happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. so. I think that might be my next match. Uh, I'm not even sure about that, but that's coming up, though. We'll see where the chips fall, huh? Boom. Boom.
Boom. Battle in Battle Creek, baby. Who yeah. Battle in the Creek 3. Boom. Wrestle Bash 2. <laughs> Coming on up. Yeah. Hey, guys. All right. We'll see you next week here on One of a Kind. RVD. Tell the truth. I was waiting for some kind of sign, some kind of indication. I was wasting my time. I got myself about the basement. I faked it long enough to say I made it. I was patient. I put up a fight. I kept saying to myself, for oh, the future is bright.